The stories of some of the world's greatest women unfold here. I am Annette Comer, your host, and each week, the untold secrets of success, strength, and boldness of today's powerful women are revealed. Today's woman was raised in a wealthy, isolated environment. It was the youngest of eight children. She was an exceptional athlete, but sometimes she felt she was different than others. She was driven and inspirational, but yet had a very limited social life. And as a young adult in college, she decided she wanted to be a motivational speaker. It wasn't a direct path for her to get there though. She worked at a crisis center and for a seminar company. And eventually she went out on her own and got her first gig as a speaker. Years later, she has become one of the few speakers to be honored in the Speaker Hall of Fame. Today, she walks a path to greatness as she motivates audiences to get out of their comfort zone and take a front seat in life. It is my pleasure to introduce you to Marilyn Sherman. Hi, Marilyn. Thank you for joining me today. Hi, Annette. How are you? I'm great. I'm so glad you're with me today. We have limited time, so I'm going to jump right on in. Great. So you have had what you call a dream workshop folder that has been a critical tool in your success journey. So explain what this is and how it works for you. Well, I saw a speaker when I was 16, 17 years old while I was still in high school. And his name was Roger Crawford. And he was so inspiring to me that that day I made a decision that I wanted to pursue a career in motivational speaking so I can change the world. And in my young mind, I decided my first mission statement was I want to help people feel better about themselves so they do better work. And I started going to seminars and conferences even before I went off to college. So it was a real specific goal and vision that I had that I kept reinforcing over and over again by the books I would read and the conferences that I would attend. And then when I got a job in the corporate space in order to have credibility to speak to corporate audiences, I worked in the training department and I was the new person in the department. So I did a lot of writing of the programs as opposed to delivering the programs. So I had a a file that I kept with and I labeled it dream workshop. And anything that I read, heard, saw, witnessed that to me was so inspiring that I would want to share it with the world. I clipped it. I made a note of it. I took a picture of it and I put it into this dream workshop file. So given an opportunity one day to eventually speak, I had content that I knew I was passionate about and I would be excited to deliver to the world. So that little folder that you kept was an incredible preparation tool that you one day we're going to use. And it came in beautiful handy, Dennis. Dennis. Yes. I mean, I'm a firm believer as you act as if, right? So I acted as if I knew I'd be a motivational speaker, even though I was a training officer in a finance company on the East Coast. I just knew that I would be there one day. So these were my stepping stone positions. These were my stepping stone jobs. These were the things I needed to do to ultimately get to my vision. Yeah, I love it. I love it. So anybody really could have this kind of folder, couldn't they? Yes. I mean, that's how dreams come true. You create. And for me, it was workshops. For somebody else, it could be their dream business. It could be their dream downline. It could be their dream team. Whatever you're passionate about, whatever your vision that you have that gets you excited and motivated and inspired, put that on a label, on a file. And then what? here's what's happening. Your reticular activating system in your brain because you focused on it, because you've written it down, because you have it someplace, 
your reticular activating system that filters out all of the unnecessary stimuli in order for you to focus and get things done will start to things will get through that filter system and start to appear. And pretty soon your dream file will be filled. Oh, I love that. And it will be your reality. Yes. It will be your reality. So whenever you lose a speaking gig, you told me it causes self-doubt to (laughs) pop up. So how do you keep yourself from dwelling there too long? Well, I think I'm so competitive in my industry that every time I lose a speaking engagement, I have a tinge of, oh man, they made the wrong decision. And that's just a mind thing because sometimes I know you have to have the right speaker with the right message for the right audience at the right time. And if you don't fit any of those, then you're not a good fit. So now I'm super grateful that I have meeting planners and speaker bureaus and agents who know what I do and they know how to fit me with the right prospects. So it's not the self-doubt that comes in. It's more like an immediate angst of, oh man, I should have gotten that. And what do I need to do differently? And then I I snap out of it. So it's such a natural thing for people to have doubt, negativity, comparison to others. It's so common in this day and age. So I visit, but I don't live there anymore. And that's a great way to put it. So it's okay. So don't beat yourself up that you visit. No. No, 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 no. Have you, you know, during this time, I think people need to show a little bit of grace, grace for themselves uh, to get through day to day to day frustrations and day to day changes and day to day pivots and day to day disappointments. And here's something that my mentor, uh, Dr. Nito Cobain, always taught me it's okay to be disappointed, but it's not okay to be discouraged. So there's a big difference between those two reactions. Disappointed is okay, the gig didn't go my way, or the job didn't go my way, or the relationship didn't go my way, or someone let me down. That's a disappointment. You pick yourself up and you move on. Discouraged is when you feel like, ah, and there's no hope and you stay down. So it's okay to be disappointed because you can brush yourself off and move ahead. If you're discouraged or if you have discouragement, you tend to go in a deeper dive and then you take inventory of all the things that aren't working in your life. And then you lose sight of hope and encouragement to get out of that. Yeah. Yeah. You're exactly right. So we're going to stay in this mindset space just for a second because pessimism is everywhere. You just mentioned that, but you work hard to shield yourself from it. When you encounter someone that is pessimistic, what do you do? And second part of that question, what warning would you give to others about how pessimism can affect them? Well, I know for a fact that the more you have negativity, the more you have negativity. So the more you have negative self-talk, the more you will have that self-fulfilling prophecy of negative things happening to you. So I don't have a lot of patience for negative people or pessimistic people who only look at the glasses half full. I really don't have time for them. And I I make it a point to surround myself with people who are like-minded and who are even more positive than me and more stronger than me. I mean, that's how I roll now. The hack that I have when I have to be in the presence of someone who is pessimistic is to be curious. And when you're curious, you are not letting the energy absorb into your energy. So let's say you have someone with an opposing point of view, with a negative point of view, with something that, wow, you didn't even thought of. Instead of going into judgment, go into curiosity and simply ask a question. Wow, help me understand how you came up with that idea. Or wow, where did that theory come from? Oh, wow, tell me more. Because you can't be curious and defensive at the same time. 
And you can quote me on that because that's a good one. We have far too much discord in the world today. And people are too quick to polarize and to be defensive and to, you know, defend their position and defend why they're, they are right and the other person is wrong. And then you know what comes next? Criticism of the other person and sometimes even categorizing that person as being less than or being not as smart or intelligent, whatever. Instead of going that route that divides people, why not go the route of curiosity and asking questions to find out a little bit more where they're coming from? And then you can decide, okay, well, that's interesting. And I still have my point of view that I'm going to keep. Thank you very much. Even being enlightened by your point of view, I'm good. So what's important for me, and I learned this a long time ago, is to divest yourself emotionally from someone who has a difference of opinion than you. Don't get into frustration and anger and defensiveness. Just divest until you gather more information, and then you can decide how you want to respond or react or continue the dialogue with that person. And if you don't divest, it's a slippery slope, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Especially for women, because women have a tendency to take on the burden of everything is their fault. So, wow, this person is so angry. What did I do? What did I say? How did I respond? When in fact, it had nothing to do with you. So don't take on that that excess baggage unnecessarily. And that's why it's so important to divest, gather more information first, and then decide how you're going to react or respond. And even if you don't agree, that's okay. Of course. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Because, you know, here, the best case scenario is that you both learn from each other. You both raise the awareness of each other. And then you have a different perspective. Yes, absolutely. And you continue to grow. Yes. Continue yes. to grow. So I want to go into the self-talk space for a second, because we both know that it can either help you or it can harm you. Right. So does your self-talk elevate you and... I even want to know, what does your self-talk look like? My self-talk looks like just a talking mouth over and over again. My self-talk really never shuts up. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. You know, so... Let's hear what that is. (laughs) Well, I'm a... Even though I was an athlete, I wasn't a cheerleader. I am a cheerleader at heart now, right? So so my self-talk is, you got this. In fact, I have a hack on my cell phone. I have an iPhone. And every time I plug in my iPhone, the voice of Siri says, you got this, Marilyn, you rock star you. And it's a it's an automatic function you can add to your phone. You can create any kind of message you want where your phone will talk to you. So I really love having that constant reminder. Plus, it just makes me smile. So my self-talk is about you got this. You're good. If I'm in a crisis situation, my self-talk is to marry because I'm a spiritual being. And when I do my Hail Marys, that calms me down. But my self-talk is if I allow myself to say, oh, I can't believe you're not putting enough content out there. Other people have more social media followers. Wow, you should already have a club on Clubhouse. Um, I stop and say, Marilyn, you've got this. You've got this. Today's another day. You've got this. So that's what my self-talk looks like. And when you start to slide into that place where you start to not measure up to yourself, Mm -hmm. what do you do with that? I look at how far I've come because no matter how much I don't think I measure up today, I think, oh my gosh, but it's so much better than I was before because I really didn't measure up before. 
So I keep track of my wins, of things I'm grateful for, of things like I just lost 46 pounds. And so when this morning when I got on the scale, I'm like, yes, now that feels really good. So no matter what kind of a day I'm having today, I'm having a day 46 pounds lighter than four months ago, five months ago, a year ago. So if I'm I'm starting to feel that negativity creep in, I stop and I remind myself of my wins. I remind myself of how far I've come and that helps me get out of it real quick. Yeah, and I'm, I'm gonna dig a little bit deeper on this because you said something that I think is a real gold nugget. And that is about paying attention to your wins. We as driven individuals, don't often celebrate our wins because once we win something, we take a few moments and then we're off here. What's next? Uh, one thing that you told me that you do that I think is brilliant is that you write down your wins. Mm-hmm. And, and that is something that it's worth doing, writing them down and putting them on your computer. Absolutely. You're probably not going to celebrate the way most people celebrate because you're so driven. But Well, I have always believed in having a win list and a humor file. Your win list is you write down all the wins that happen every day in your life. And your humor file are anything that makes you crack up, anything that makes you laugh hysterically, because both things are going to raise your energy into a positive level. It's going to shift your energy. And anytime you're feeling a little bit off, you stop and you open up your wins and you review your wins and it makes you feel good. Or you take a break and you open up your humor file and you're reminded of things that just crack you up, bring you joy, get those endorphins released in your brain. And I'll give you a very specific example. I started, I left my corporate job and worked for a seminar company. And in the seminar world, they would fill out evaluations on the full day seminar. And I would do up to five seminars a week, up to three weeks a month. And I did that for five years. So at the very, my very first one, there were comments that were not all on the happy train of Marilyn Sherman. And I, for those five years, I knew there will be people that would not like me for no other reason other than I reminded them of their third grade teacher that they couldn't stand. So I had to have a thick skin for feedback of people who were very, very negative and direct about what they didn't like about me. And I remember the, my first event, somebody came up to me and was talking to me and giving me some nice feedback. And he said, how long have you been doing this? And I looked at him and I thought, Today, it's been, well, it's been less than a year, actually. (laughs) So my mind automatically was, I didn't lie, but I was automatically confident enough to say that. And here was my routine for those five years. I had a, a journal and I'm a big journal person. I had a journal and I would take the pile of evaluations and I would take my journal and I would literally read them all because it was important that I would read the evaluations, especially early on in my speaking career. And I would literally transcribe all the positive ones into the notebook. The negative ones I would look at, and then I would go right back to the positive ones. There's something very magical that happens when you take something that you think, something that you see, and then you transfer it onto paper by writing it out. There's something that, you know, with the grooves in your brain that helps you refocus and replay those tapes and then recreate new tapes. So instead of me focusing on, I didn't like her hair she talked too fast. She seemed arrogant. Whatever they wanted to say about me, I would look at it and then I would be reminded, oh my gosh, she was the best speaker I've ever heard. Oh my gosh, I learned so much. This was fantastic. Oh, wow. I want to listen to her again and again and again. So now I've got ammunition to prove 
that I've got skills, that I'm making a difference in the world. I am fulfilling my vision. And even if I have some people that don't like what I do or how I look, I can take that feedback, adjust if necessary, but I'm going to swim in the happy train of Marilyn Sherman because I've got evidence and I've got stacks of evidence. So that's what really helped me handle all the negative feedback and criticism. So you, you're right where I want you in terms of moving into the next question. So you're in this likability place. And the question I have for you, do you feel it's important to be likable as a leader? And, and then even more so, what defines someone as being likable? Oh, well, a thousand percent likability is a huge factor because you can't even get in into doors if you are arrogant, egotistical, and make things all about you, which are the opposite to me of being likable. Being likable is when you are natural and you're authentic and you are curious and you're it's more important for you to be interested than being interesting. So as a leader, likability gets people to warm up to you. Likability gets people to open up and show their own vulnerabilities and so that you can move to the next place. You can evolve, you can grow. And likability is, man, likability has opened up a lot of doors for me. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay here for a second, but I'm going to twist the question a little bit. Okay. And I'm going to ask you, how important is, is it for you to be liked? And do you see pursuing the need to be liked a dangerous path to success? Yeah, it is a dangerous path because like I said, there are going to be people who don't like you for no other reason other than guilt by association of what you look like or who you hang out with. So if you pursue being liked, I mean, that's to me, that's like a teenager thing. Like I really, really, really wanted to be liked. And then I'd be sad because I wouldn't be invited to any parties and I, and I felt left out. But if you pursue being likable and being authentically you and being vulnerable at the right time, being strong, uh, working on yourself so that you can improve things for other people and you work on your judgment so you're not so judgmental of people who are different than you. When you work on that, that's more important than being liked. But the byproduct of being interested and being non-judgmental and being curious, the byproduct of that is that people like you. But that's a much healthier place to come from, isn't much it? Much healthier place. <laughs> yes, that it is. is. <laughs> that shouldn't be the drive or the goal because certainly I used to want everybody to like me. And then I realized, oh my gosh, there are people that I don't like. So why would I waste an ounce of energy trying to get them to like me? So I'm much more discerning about my front row, right? My, I'm, I'm, I'm all about being in the front row. Your front row has a limited capacity of people that can sit in your front row. So why would you waste any of that high rent district, that real estate on people that don't share your values and that you don't like? Yeah, exactly. I think that's great wisdom because a lot of people get caught up in this needing to be liked, especially women. Yeah. And I see it as a very dangerous place because there's no win in it. You're, 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 it's an emotional roller coaster you're on all the time. But plus, you can't control it. You can only control being likable. You can't control if people resonate with that or not. Right, exactly. So as a young woman, you often felt lonely. Yeah. I think a lot of driven people uh, certainly feel this way, Marilyn. Do you feel lonely a lot these days? I have a couple of small circle of friends that I love and adore and who love and adore me. So 
if I ever feel lonely, they are literally just a text away or a phone call away. So what I've learned, it's really important to nurture that uh, small group of people that know you and love you and don't judge you. And they are a soft cushion when you fall. So no, I don't feel nearly as lonely. I only get lonely when I think about my high school because all my girlfriends were all so very popular and I was such a jock and I was just in the gym and I was always working and I was very competitive. And I just, so my high school days were very lonely, but I was everybody's friend. But I, you know, like I said, I didn't have a lot of social, I didn't have a big social life. So now I create that. My best friend here in Las Vegas, Lori and I, we try to get together once a week because, you know, with girlfriends, we get so busy that all of a sudden months will go by. It's like, I haven't seen you. So we know we've got to put on our calendar. We need to get together. And I have a mastermind of women, very strong, powerful women. And we get together, we're all over the country and we get together once every month on a Zoom call and we check in with each other and we support each other and we push each other. So because of these kinds of And I'm in another mastermind here in Las Vegas with a group of speakers. So, and they love me and I love them and they've got my back no matter what. And because of the honesty and the vulnerability that we share with our business issues and our challenges, there's a connection during the, during the week in between our mastermind meetings where we text each other, Hey, just checking in on you. Hey, how's it going? Hey, what's going on with this? And uh, so, no, I don't feel, I don't feel lonely. Not today. But you have built those structures in place, haven't you? That hasn't something that's happened naturally. It's something you have put into. Oh, you cannot be waited. You cannot wait to be invited to the party. You have (laughs) to, you have to make your own party. You can't feel bad about not being part of the tribe. You need to go out and uh, grow your own tribe. Yeah. It's all, to me, I think the most important message is to be accountable for where you're sitting right now. And if you don't like where you're sitting, you have two options. You either move your seat or you change your perspective about the seat that you're in. People have got to take accountability for where they are. There is no room for blame, blaming your past, blaming your history, blaming your spouse, blaming your kids, blaming your parents. It's You got to let go of all of that and take absolute 100% responsibility for where you are sitting in your life right now. Now, that doesn't mean that you're stuck there. It means that you have choices. You either shift your perspective or you get out of that seat and you go out and you get a new seat. Yeah, and I think sometimes people underestimate how all the decisions they've made along the way has got them to where they are. Exactly. Good and bad. You are where you are today because of the decisions. And here's another nugget. Because of the decisions you have made up until today. And if those three words, people should put it on their wall up until today. If you ever feel like you want to label yourself, well, that's the way I've always been. Or and you label, oh, I'm not driven, or I'm a procrastinator, or I'm a perfectionist, or I'm all, you know, I'm always late. You know, stop that because you you have been that person up until today. But today you can make new choices for yourself. You can make new choices which will create new labels for yourself. And you start with your self-talk. That language that you use to describe yourself, you can change that today. Yeah, I love that. I love that. I'm preaching, man. I'm preaching. Yeah, I know. I felt like we could go on for hours, girlfriend. <laughs> Marilyn, is there anything about your journey to greatness that we haven't covered that you'd like to share with other women? I think we waste a lot of time comparing ourselves to other people and coming up short. And that prevents us from collaborating and cooperating. 
I think it's really important to know that when you are coming from a place of, what's the opposite of abundance? Scarcity. Scarcity. When you come from a place of scarcity, you cocoon yourself and then you feed off of that by being jealous or resentful of other people progressing. When you come from a place of abundance and realize, wow, there's enough out there. There's enough for all of us. You are more in the mindset of having a collaborative spirit and you are more likely to ask for help. You're more likely to reach out. Instead of being jealous of someone, reach out to them and say, you go girl, uh, way to go. And what one piece of advice do you have for someone like me who wants to overcome that same hurdle you just have overcome? So that's what I would recommend people do is be, be more collaborative earlier on because it took me a long time to get to that point of collaborative mindset as opposed to jealousy and scarcity. So that I think that's a good point for people to know. It happens. It's okay. Give yourself some grace, but switch that up real quick. Yeah, because life will change when you do that. Yeah. Yeah, it sure will. Marilyn, it has been such a pleasure to have it's you It's over here already? It is. I know. Doesn't this time go quick? Yes, it went very fast. Well, you know, we could talk for hours. So. <laughs> We need a longer podcast, don't we? <laughs> yes. Well, but, thank you, Annette. Yes, and it's been a pleasure. And Marilyn is another great example of how women are challenging the norm, making things happen, and demanding their own greatness. So join me next time on the World's Greatest Women Show as another powerful woman's story unfolds. 